So today on Kindled, I am uh, chatting with Dr. Jeff Myers of Summit Ministries. Dr. Myers, thank you so much for joining me today. Haley, it's great to be with you. So I, uh, I'm really thankful for the article that you wrote, uh, Christians Demand Election Justice, because there is some crazy stuff going on right now in this country. And uh, I, I know that a lot of us, are, our, our heads are spinning. We're like, what is going on? I mean, it's, it's, it's getting a little scary. And so I, I really found that your article helped kind of put everything in, in perspective and, and helped me as a believer understand why this is so important. Um, so why did you, I mean, why did you write it? If you want to speak oh, I, I, I just to make people grumpy. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wrote it because I do think that I have, I've seen so many social media posts where people say, well, I voted and that's all I can do. And now God is in control. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's bad citizenship. And that is bad theology. It's bad citizenship because in a Republic, your vote does not get you across the finish line. It gets you to the starting line. And it's bad theology because saying God is in control is not a good description of what God is like. He's a sovereign God who's put us here as his image bearers to continue to make a difference. And that's how we love our neighbors, by the way. If you look in scripture, this is a love your neighbor by giving them a friendly wave or a pie at Thanksgiving time. It says love your neighbor by standing for justice. I think election fraud, is, it's been going on in this country for a long time. It's a justice issue, and we need to finally address it. Yeah, I think, I think you're 100% right. Um, and I've seen that as well. I've even had uh, Christians message me and tell me that Christians need to stay neutral. We need to not get involved in this fight. We shouldn't, we shouldn't engage. We shouldn't really care. We should just keep our eyes on God. Stay neutral. I don't exactly know what is meant by, by that, but could you speak to what you think that person might be saying? I think the person is saying that chasing down voter fraud is a partisan issue, but it's not a partisan issue. It's no more partisan than chasing down counterfeit currency. Right. You chase down counterfeit currency because it diminishes the value of the real currency and causes people to have a lack of trust in the economic system. Right. You chase down voter fraud because it diminishes people's trust in our overall political system. People need to know that if you cast a legal vote, that you, that you are going to be participating in a fair and impartial election process. And that is far from certain that that is happening right now, especially in certain parts of our country. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're 100% right. That's a perfect analogy. Uh, and, and so why is, why is this issue not a partisan issue? Because it does sort of feel right now the way that, you know, journalists and, and we know the mainstream media absolutely has a bias, but you don't really see people investigating this. You see them going, there's absolutely no possible way there could be fraud. We don't see true journalism taking place. And I would know I'm a journalism major. It's just, it's a shame that no one is actually taking this seriously um, or, or no one that is, that is really has the ear of the American public, it seems. And they're having to go and dig for facts. And then what we're left with is a bunch of, you know, anecdotal stories and videos and, and this and that, that may or may not be fraud, but you know, it's hard to say because we're not investigating it and neither are they. So, um, so, I mean, what are, what are your thoughts on that? I have a lot of thoughts on that. I, I primarily wrote this article because I wanted people to see this issue in a different light. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a journalism major, you you know that journalists have to try to find the conflict. What is the, you know, who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? That's what people revolve around. And in this situation, if you can make it politically partisan, then it makes a better story. Mm-hmm. The only way to change that is to change the framing of it. Now, when people say, 
they there's not voter fraud. What they're saying is voter fraud has not, in our judgment, been a major problem in the past. Mm-hmm. That's sort of like saying, well, New York City doesn't have a crime wave because crime in New York City in the past was low. Well, that doesn't make any sense. That's not even a reasonable argument. And and no, I get I get that. Just because Donald Trump's voters say that there is fraud doesn't mean that there is. And just because Joe Biden supporters say there isn't fraud doesn't mean that there isn't. There is a legal process that we need to go through. Lawsuits have been filed. There's a discovery process. It takes forever, but it's like it often results in justice usually. And so I think we need to follow that. But I do think there are, there are things that Christians can do as well. Mm. Yeah. What would you say? What would you say to the believers that, um, that are, that are struggling with this situation? What do you think we can do and what should our, uh, our approach to this whole situation be? There are several things. First, you need to inform yourself about our election system. Why is there, why are there allegations of fraud? What has been going on in this? You know, and there's so much of it in the political realm that when I was majoring in political science at the university, we had an entire class called political corruption. Now it wasn't a how-to class. It was a, you know, what happened in the past, obviously. But there was so much of it, it took an entire semester with all of the readings and lectures to just try to get through the history of political corruption in this country. Mm-hmm. Not very much has changed. People don't really think about it because they think, oh, this really only affects us for one hour every November, every other year. That's not really, that's it's not something that's worth spending a lot of time on. Mm-hmm. I think it is. So you have to, first of all, inform yourself. There are organizations like the Heritage Foundation. They have an entire section of their website dedicated to election fraud. They've documented thousands of instances of it, and you can go in and read about those. And, and, then, and then second thing is to call your elected officials. This is fairly easy to do. Just call them and say, look, I, I know that a lot of people think that people who are concerned about election fraud are being disingenuous right now, but I want you to know I am a real person I really care about this. Mm-hmm. I need you to take a stand for justice at this mm-hmm. time. Might be that we need to have some election reform after this election is over. Certainly the whole situation with mail and ballots changed the game in every way. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely did. Um, so do you, I mean, confusion and chaos are are everywhere right now. And we know as believers that, the Bible says in John eight forty four that the devil is the father of all lies. Do you believe this is actually a spiritual battle fundamentally? Haley, I believe that the spiritual world is real. The physical world is real. The spiritual world is real. I, I believe in that in the same sense that this table that I'm sitting at right now is real, but justice is real. Justice isn't just what you want it to be or mm-hmm. what I want it to be. It's a real thing. And if we educate ourselves and are careful and are logical, we can discern what justice really is. So in that same way, I think that there is a spiritual reality. And the spiritual reality is there are forces of evil that want us to do poorly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you think about the history of America. You think about the amazing things that Christians did in the history of America to turn America into an economic powerhouse, to help her citizens become the most charitable people on earth. To, to help form the United States Constitution. I was just informed about 10 minutes ago that the entire continent of Africa, believers are praying for the United States of America. Wow. Because they look at us and say, if you guys don't make it, what hope is there for nations like ours? 
So we can't take that for granted. Mm, yeah, that's a great, great point. Um, I uh, one other thing in in your article that I, I really appreciated was that you you drew the differentiation between uh, our Judeo Christian history and founding um, of the United States and and said basically that 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 worldview stands alone in calling for the speaking of truth and the uh, the opposition to lies. Um, however, you know, in, by comparison, a worldview like Marxism does the opposite. Can you speak to that unique aspect? Because that's something I think maybe we as believers often take for granted that everyone in this nation actually comes from that worldview or has that view of truth and lie. All right. Hold on to your seat on this one. According to George Barna, the pollster, 69% of Christian born again, church going adults do not believe there is such a thing as absolute truth. 69% of, figure of Christians. Christians. Yeah, Christians. So mm-hmm. outside of the church, the percentage is even far higher. Mm-hmm. You have virtually no one left in this country who even believes you can know what truth is. They, just, they think they decide truth for themselves. It's not something that's out there for us to discover. Mm-hmm. That's incredibly tragic and incredibly frightening. Mm-hmm. But it's only the Christian worldview that says there is such a thing as truth, and then lies are distortions of the truth. When you look at the Marxist worldview, Marxism says that whatever helps the cause of the working people is right, whatever hurts the cause of the working people is wrong. There's a whole different kind of morality. It's called proletariat morality. So if killing the people who are in power helps the working people, then it's a right thing to do. Mm-hmm. It doesn't count as murder. I know it sounds dramatic to talk about that, but I've written textbooks about this and I can give you hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pieces of evidence that that is exactly what the Marxist worldview stands for. And even Marxists who are in this country. Yeah. And I think we see the influence of that worldview all over the place. Like you just said, kind of the denial of there being an absolute truth. And even, I think you see it right now with the media and their, um, their, their hesitancy and their resistance to actually even seeking truth. We don't even see them trying to pretend like there's absolute truth. They've already decided what's true because in their worldview, uh, you know, truth doesn't stand alone. Truth isn't outside of them. It's only from where they sit. And that's their, their standpoint and epistemology kind of determines what is true. Exactly. This, this gets me fired up because Mm -hmm. yeah, most people aren't Marxists who are not believers in this country although they may be influenced by some Marxist ideas, but there definitely is an undercurrent of secularism. Secular mm-hmm. essentially means that there may be a God, there might not be, but whatever, it's irrelevant to what's really important. So just ignore all of that spiritual talk. Mm-hmm. People who believe that, where, where would you get the idea of truth? Well, truth is whatever I say it is for me. You notice how people don't say, I'm going to speak the truth. They say, I'm going to speak my truth. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, they're making an assumption that anybody that anybody else out there might care, which is not an assumption you can make from their worldview. The only reason people would care to hear somebody else's story is because there is an actual truth, and we want to be sure that they have a chance to be heard so they're treated justly. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. Um, there's another another kind of line of thought that I've seen coming from Christians, is, and, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Um, I've been told by a few people that Christians should not fight 
against whatever is happening in this country. I already mentioned that kind of even the fraud, whatever's happening, just let it happen because they say God is in control. And so why are you as a Christian fighting against God who is in control um, when perhaps God's will, as we're seeing worked out, if that's true, we might be seeing God's will be for our religious freedoms to be removed. Maybe this is a punishment or God's judgment, or he wants the Christian faith to flourish. And that will do, that will happen under persecution. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's incredibly bad theology and it's incredibly self-centered when people say that. And I'm sorry to be so abrupt about it, but I just can't see it any other way. It's bad theology because the Bible does not describe God as being in control. The Bible describes God as being wholly sovereign. He is in charge, and he has put us here as his image bearers to to do what he would do, to listen to what he would pay attention to, and to see what he would see. That is part of what it means to be a human being. So to say, well, God is in control, is essentially to, to forsake a Christian worldview and just go back to the idea of fate, whatever will be, will be. Mm-hmm. But I think it's also incredibly self-centered when people say that because I, I, it makes, I've heard so many people say this. I get so frustrated. You can probably tell this is, this is one I'm really passionate about. When people say, well, maybe we need to undergo persecution. Yeah. Don't just think about yourself. You've got to be thinking about your neighbor. Your goal is to love your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Someone said, well, don't stand up against the robberies in the neighborhood because if somebody comes to rob you, then you know, then you just have a chance to be persecuted for Christ. But you can't make that decision for all of your neighbors. You can't say, well, I hope my neighbors get robbed, so possibly they'll have a better experience with Christ. That's crazy. Right. But I hear so many people saying things like that, and I, I, I just think it's really, it's bad theology, and it's very self-centered. It bugs me, as you can tell. Well, yeah, I, I totally disagree with it, but it, it was kind of a new line of thinking for me when someone sent that to me and I was like, that just seems so twisted and distorted and, and almost like a, a, a way that uh, somebody wants to martyr themselves in a sense for their faith when it's like, you don't have to try to be martyred for your faith these days. You don't have to wish for a, a, an environment where your religious freedoms are you know, being infringed upon, like you're already in it even if we fight for the freedoms that our founding fathers put in place in this nation. That's right. Yeah. Well, yeah. We're, we're in a position in this nation, particularly, where we have a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. So for a person to say, I don't have to take a stand because, you know, I'm a Christian and I don't care if, we get, if I get persecuted, um, is, is just horrible citizenship. It's not at all the kind of citizenship that our founding fathers called for. And incidentally, of the founding fathers, there's only one that we know for sure was a deist. All the others were strongly influenced by Christian theology, even people like Thomas Jefferson, who thought that the miracles of the Bible uh, were, were fake. Mm, right. You know, aside from that, you know, there, there, were, there were almost no people in the founding of this nation who were not approaching it from a biblical worldview. Yeah. So they, they established this kind of nation. They recognize the persecution can take place. They also recognize that our goal is to stand for justice. And when you do that, people have the opportunity to flourish. That's a better situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what's your final word to Christians who, uh, you know, are, are awaiting, obviously, the outcome of, of a lot of this discovery that's going to be happening in the next couple of weeks and just, um, you know, uh, how to approach this, think about this, talk with family about this. What is your encouragement to them? 
I think we've got a, there is a process now when there are lawsuits filed there, it, there is a process they, they, mm -hmm. they go through. So we have to be patient through that. Uh, it's important to remind people. I reminded my staff at Summit Ministries yesterday that the Associated Press is not given the right in the Constitution to call the election. Mm -hmm. There is a process by which the states certify the election, and then the electors come together and choose the president. So that process needs to take place. I think it's also important to reach out to elected officials and say, I am here. I am one of those who is concerned. Don't ignore this stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I think a third thing is, is to recognize that if believers don't do anything, that the socialist left will have a lock on our national political life within a decade, mm -hmm. and it will be almost impossible to reverse it. I believe that it's important. And now some people, if Christian says, I'm just going to wait around for persecution, you're not going to be interested in the programs that Summit Ministries does. Just, you know, just enjoy the podcast and then go on with your life. But if you have a young adult in your life, and I work with 40,000 young adults in our Summit Ministries programs every year, uh, you want them to be strong and not weak. You want them to have purpose and not be aimless. You want them to have courage and hope. And you want them to be knowledgeable about a biblical worldview so they can stand for the truth and fight against evil and injustice. And the programs we have at Summit Ministries, our virtual programs and our in-person programs are something you'll want to check out. And I encourage you to do that at summit.org. We are here to help prepare a generation 16 to 25 to embrace God's truth and to champion a biblical worldview. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Where can people stay in touch with you or follow anything that you are doing? Obviously, you the website. Are you on social or anything? I, I do. I do have some social media accounts. I'm not that great at it. Okay. You can find me on Facebook, Dr. Jeff Myers. But just go to summit.org. Mm -hmm. There's a media segment there. You can see the things that are going on that we're involved with. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Myers. I appreciate your time. Absolutely, Haley. 